This morning we're going to be looking at John chapter 20, verses 11 through 18, focusing upon looking mainly at Mary Magdalene. And I entitled the teaching, He Knows My Name. And you guys will understand why as we move uh, through this this morning. So we left off on Resurrection Sunday with verse 10. Uh, then the disciples went away again to their own homes. And we saw that John and Peter ran to the tomb. And they had found that the body of Jesus was gone. And as we talked about on Easter, John arrived there first, didn't he? He was the uh, faster of the two. Or maybe he knew a shortcut Peter didn't know. We, we don't know. But John included that in his uh, writing of this gospel for us for some reason, for some benefit. Not sure exactly what it, what it is. We can speculate. But again, it's one of those things. Write it on your list. You can ask John You know, when you get to heaven. John, how was it that you got there first? And he might, Peter's just fat. I don't know. He might say Peter's slow. What, whatever the case may be, Anyway, John got there first. But it is interesting that even though John got there first, Peter was the first one to go in, wasn't he? So John pointed that out for us as well, and they saw that the grave clothes were neatly folded in place inside the tomb. We saw how we looked at how the text told us that John believed. Peter, not so much. And in verse 10, we see that the disciples then, Peter and John, went away to their own homes, to their own homes, to their own houses, where they lived, uh, probably because they needed time to kind of take in, let's face it, these guys have been through a lot over the past few days, haven't they, in, in our text. They've had to deal with a lot, go through a lot, and so uh, to go back to a place of, of comfort, their own homes, we experience that as well, don't we? There's nothing like, well, there's no place like home, right? Was it, was it the heel or is it the toe? The heel? Okay. Just, just a little quiz. <laughs> Dorothy, Wizard of Oz, for you guys that didn't get that. I'm not real graceful with the heel tap, I'll be honest. But still, there's no place like home. We like to go to our homes and spend time there. And that's where we find refuge a lot of times, isn't it? So I think these guys had that opportunity to go to their own homes. We know from what we saw at the foot of the cross that John, when he went to his own home, who was going to be there probably? Mary, right? He was going to be taking care of Mary. So uh, we don't know yet that Mary had moved in, but we know that that was something that John was, a, a, something that Jesus asked uh, John to do so that he would be doing so they went away to their own homes, but we know from the text that we're going to be looking at this morning that it didn't end there. The scene isn't over. There's, there's more to this story at the tomb. Someone was still there, Mary Magdalene. Now, we have heard of Mary Magdalene and studied throughout the book of John about this particular woman. We know that she was a disciple. She was a follower of Jesus. But maybe you're wondering, why is she called Mary Magdalene? Well, first of all, it distinguishes her from the other Marys, doesn't it? We, we get a little more insight how to keep that straight. There's a lot of Marys in the Bible, uh, in the New Testament, even in the book of John. We've seen a lot of them. But her name tells us where she was from, Mary of Magdalene. They shortened it over time, Mary Magdalene. Uh, 
like, like Saul of Tarsus, like Jesus of Nazareth, like Jim of Nebo. You got, you're all going. <laughs> I grew up in a little town in Illinois called Nebo, Illinois, N-E-B-O. I was a Nebatite, okay? <laughs> a Nebotian. <laughs> uh, so Jim of Nebo. Now, none of you would have known me by that name, but back in that area, uh, that would make sense, wouldn't it? He's, he's from Nebo. So same thing. Mary was from Magdalene. She was a follower of Jesus. Why? Well, we get insight to that in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. It says, Now it came to pass afterward that he went, Jesus went, through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons. So we know from that that Mary was possessed, right? And Jesus delivered her from that. Um, she was a close follower of Jesus. She was there a lot. She's mentioned 14 times in the Gospels. And, it, you know, four Gospels, a lot of verses, you think, well, that's not that much. But it is. It's quite a bit. She's actually mentioned more than some of Jesus' actual apostles, which... I think that says some, something to us that women in the Bible were very important to Jesus, weren't they? They served a great role in his ministry. So even though in that culture, women on the whole were somewhat downplayed, never in the eyes of Jesus. Jesus held them in high regard. And so guys, especially after some of us attending the conference yesterday, we know that that's what we should do as well, right? Women hold a very, very important role in ministry. I, I'm not just saying that because you guys are here. I appreciate you guys so much and what you bring to the fellowship. It's, it's an amazing thing. Not just because women minister to women. We know that that's biblical, that that should happen but also because you guys speak some real truth into my life. You guys, especially my wife, uh, speak some major truth. Just in the past few days, <laughs> she speaks some major truth into my life. And I, I appreciate that. I really do. And so I want to always be in a place where we never see the ladies of our church in any other way than what God himself and Jesus himself would see them. That's, that's just so important. So Mary was a, a follower of Jesus. How did I do, ladies? Did I? Pretty good? Yeah. I mean, short of saying that love you guys to the uttermost and w just worship the very ground you walk on, you know. <laughs> I'm not going to go that far, okay? Chris, yes, okay? Chris, I want to keep that straight, but... But Mary was very important to the ministry of Jesus. Mary had come to the tomb early in the morning. That's something for us to take note of because who's not there? <laughs> Peter and John had came. You know, they kind of rushed in and rushed out, went home. Where are the rest of the disciples? The women came early in the morning. We know from the other gospel accounts. Mary came to the tomb early in the morning. She saw the stone had been rolled away. She saw that the tomb was empty. 
We know this because in verse 2 of this chapter, she told Peter and John what? They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. She had seen it previously before she went to tell them. So Peter and John run to the tomb. Mary followed. This is after the fact. Then Peter and John left. So who's left there? Mary. Verse 11. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. So Mary was crying. She was weeping. She was wailing. She was mourning. In the Jewish culture, that's what was done, wasn't it? As strange as this sounds, in the Jewish culture, there were sometimes hired mourners, hired wailers. There were some people that were very good wailers, and so they were brought in so that there was a sufficient amount of wailing done. Uh, of note, not mentioned in the Bible, I think there was a, the Marley family was one of those. Bob Marley, the wailers. Anybody with me here? <laughs> no, okay. Scratch that one for the next time we go through John. No Bob Marley reference. <laughs> I was going to wear dreadlocks just to kind of give it a little more. No, I wasn't. So Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, wailing, because of the sadness in her heart. Uh, obviously, we know what it's like to lose a family member, but you're sad, you're mourning. Jesus had become such an important part of their lives. He was everything to them. And I, I don't think this is just, we can't just say that because she was a lady, she was wailing and more emotional. No. We're going to see, if we, we look at other, the, the, other gospel accounts, we're going to see that the disciples themselves were mourning and, and weeping and wailing. So this is not just a Mary thing, but Mary is there. She's trying to get, is in close proximity to where Jesus is as she possibly can. And where is it? At the tomb, although he's not there right now. So Mary crying and weeping, it says, the scripture says she stood outside and or stooped down and looked into the tomb. No indication why she didn't just go ahead and go on in, but she looked into the tomb. Verse 12, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Angels. Now all of a sudden there's angels. Where, where did they come from? The right answer would be heaven, of course, right? <laughs> But they appeared. They weren't there, obviously, when Peter and John ran in and ran out. But now Mary has looked in there, and there's these two angels in white sitting, one at the head, the other at the feet, with where Jesus would have been laying in between. You see the picture here? There's a picture that is just really, really cool to look at. Two angels on each end. And between them, a blood-stained place where the body of Jesus was laid. Should remind us of something. Angels, like cherubim on each end, blood sprinkled in between, the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant. But now, a new mercy seat, a new covenant. It's an amazing picture, but I, and I don't think it's coincidence. I think that we have that for us in the Gospel of John to paint that picture for us. 
So the angels say to her in verse 13, Woman, why are you weeping? Now we've talked about this before. Woman in that culture, using that verbiage is not a derogatory statement. It's not a degrading statement. Like, woman? Why are you weeping? It's not said that way. It's <laughs> said out of much love. I mean, it would... <laughs> I challenged a... Uh, I shouldn't have done it, but I did. I challenged a group of junior high kids once over at Calvary Chapel Greeley as I was teaching the class. We were going through a portion of Scripture. And, uh, well, actually, when, <laughs> when Jesus was at the wedding in Cana, and he says to his very mom, Woman, my time has not yet come. So I challenged some of the boys in the group to use that, you know, at home the next time their mom asked them, You need to clean your room. Woman, my time has not yet come. I thought it was hilarious. I thought it would just be a fun thing until a couple of them actually did it. And <laughs> mom was, What are you teaching my boys? <laughs> Scripture. Did they not memorize scripture <laughs> with that? <laughs> but there's a way to use that and a way not to use it, obviously. <laughs> this is the correct way. They said, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, imagine, put yourself in the place of Mary at this point. The way that she loved Jesus, what Jesus had done for totally changed her life, transformed her life. And having to deal with and watch everything that took place at the cross, seeing him placed in the tomb, and now coming to the tomb for the purpose of bringing uh, spices to anoint the body of Jesus. Not really knowing, we know from the other gospel accounts, how she was even going to get into the tomb to get there and find that the door is wide open. Somebody had declared open house at the tomb that morning. She goes in, and the body's not there. What would you think, after everything else that's transpired, this trial that took place that was a farce, this crucifixion that they would see as he was not guilty of anything, and now the body's gone, the conclusion that you would have to come to is what? Somebody took the body. Somebody stole the body of Jesus. He's not there. Woman, why are you weeping? Because they have taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have laid him. So Mary's carrying on a conversation here with angels. She's talking to angels. What is missing in this conversation? What do we normally see in Scripture when angels come on the scene? What's the first thing they say? Do not be afraid. Why is it not here? I have no idea. I'm thinking Mary's not afraid. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. They didn't say it because maybe they didn't have to. Which tells us something about Mary, doesn't it? that she was more focused on the Lord Jesus and what had happened to him than she was on, these are just a couple of your everyday angels. <laughs> just a couple of angels. I'm focused on the Lord. I think there's a lesson for that for us in that as well, in that we know in our society today, and a lot of writings and a lot of things that are promoted, 
angels can be lifted up pretty high, can't they? People get caught up in looking at, focusing upon, paying more attention to than they ought to, angels. Now, they are messengers from God. I'm not saying we ignore angels, but yet in Christ, <laughs> I mean, you weigh the two, as far as importance goes in our lives, Jesus is pretty important, isn't he? As it is compared to angels. So I don't know for sure. Again, that's just, I, I say we shouldn't speculate. And of course, I just speculated. But uh, I don't know. Mary, there was something about this scene that those words weren't recorded for us for some reason. So, But she was focused upon the Lord. We know that. Now, someone else shows up the very one that Mary is seeking. But she didn't know it, at least initially. As it's in verse 14, now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. She saw someone but didn't recognize him, didn't recognize who it was. Again, any explanation to that would have to be speculation, Right? It's early in the morning. The light maybe wasn't that good. It's Maybe he was far enough away that it wasn't apparent that that's who it was. She wasn't expecting to see him alive, obviously, right? Nevertheless, Jesus says to her in verse 15, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Notice that Jesus asked the same question that the angels asked, right? Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking, he says. And for whatever reason, she didn't recognize his voice. She thought maybe he was the gardener, which is actually kind of funny if you think about it. Uh, yeah, creator of the universe, <laughs> more than just a gardener, I think. You know, the little book written years ago, More Than a Carpenter. I saw this and I thought, great book opportunity, more than a gardener. <laughs> if I could write, maybe I would write that. <laughs> more than a gardener, I think it would be a great book. She didn't recognize his voice. But Mary wants to know if this gardener might know where the body of Jesus is. Tell me where the body is, and I will go get it. That's what Mary's saying. <laughs> you got to appreciate her zeal. Dead weight is hard to carry, isn't it? It'd be like carrying a 200-pound <laughs> sack of feed, wouldn't it, Russ? <laughs> you know, it's, it's a lot to carry. And for Mary, for a woman to say, tell me where he is, and I'll go get the body. I don't think she really meant that, that she was going to go and actually retrieve the body herself and pack it home or whatever. I think what she meant was, hey, I've got resources. I know 11 guys. They'll help me out with this. We can go get the body. We can place it somewhere else. She's just trying to find out what happened to the body of her Lord. You have to appreciate Mary's heart and just her desire here. Mary herself would obviously not be able to carry the body. She just wouldn't be able to do that. So then Jesus says to her, Mary, 
can you imagine? I, I picture, and again, this is maybe my musician background or whatever. There's got to be some reverb on that, some effects, some, something there that, Mary. No, not so much. I think that, what'd you do, Lisa? <laughs> I think that, <laughs> I think that it was a very loving response. I think it was, oh, Mary, something that would touch her heart, but also what? Something that she would recognize, something that she would know that it was the voice of Jesus, something in the way that Jesus said her name. John 10.3 tells us the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. Has the Lord ever called you by name? He's called us all by name. Initially, when we came to know him, of course, and then over time, he's constantly calling us by name. Yeah, it might not be audibly so that someone else hears, but I, there's been times when I know he's said my name. I shared yesterday at the men's conference that when I was young, when I was in trouble, mom would use my common name, James. James, whatever. Sometimes I hear that from Jesus <laughs> because he's trying to get my attention. He wants me to know he's talking to me, so he calls me by name. And how that works itself out practically in our lives, sometimes it's just as we're reading scripture or studying scripture and the still small voice said, James, that's for you. And I hear that, and I feel the Lord is talking to me personally, personally, audibly. Not, again, not so much that anyone else can hear it. it it's kind of like the, what's the, the tree falls in the wood, does anybody hear it? You know, If Jesus speaks my name, does anybody else hear it? I don't I know I hear it. Mary hears her name here. She recognizes his voice. We're not sure why Mary didn't recognize Jesus' voice initially, but she does recognize his voice when he calls her by name. For whatever reason, it seems that maybe Jesus initially deliberately concealed himself from her. And at first glance, you think, well, that's kind of silly. Why would he do that? Well, we know that he did that later as well with two disciples on the road to Emmaus, didn't he? In Luke chapter 24, it's, it says that in verse 16 that their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. Now, we don't have that text for us here in John's gospel, but the same thing could be true, couldn't it? Could be. But Mary responds by calling Jesus Rabboni, which means master teacher. Rabbi and Rabboni were equivalent terms of respect in that culture. Later on, the Jews had three levels of teachers. They had Rab, which was the lowest, which kind of struck me as funny when, <laughs> when I first heard it. You know, you guys are welcome to call me Rab if you want. <laughs> lowest. Rabbi, Rabboni, then was the highest. 
that's what the Jews came up with to give the different levels of being a, a rabbi. But this term, Rabboni, it's only used in one other place in the Gospels. That's interesting as well. In Mark chapter 10, verse 51, interestingly enough, it's used by a blind man, <laughs> Rabboni. I was trying to come up with some really interesting way to tie these two together in that Mary didn't see him. She didn't recognize him. The blind man couldn't see him. He could hear him. And that's really all I came up with. I didn't. <laughs> it was like rabbit trail. And I'm like, I've got to get this study done. You know, can't spend a whole lot of time on this. But obviously, he couldn't see that it was Jesus either. It's also interesting that in the Greek text, Lord in Greek is also translated Rabboni. So master, teacher, Lord, Rabboni. Verse 17, Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me. Well, of course Mary would cling to, take hold of Jesus. She was so thrilled, elated to see the Lord, not dead, alive, living. He had done so much for her. He had turned her life uh, right side up, right? She was now just thrilled to see him alive. Maybe clinging to him, holding on to him, proving to herself that he was actually real, that he was there. Now, we know his body was a resurrected body. We don't know exactly how that plays out, but we know that it was a body that could be seen, that could be touched, because we see later that Thomas does that, right? So there was a physic physicalness <laughs> to his body, but it was a resurrected body. It was something different. But she's clinging to him, holding on to him. I believe proving to herself, he's alive, he's real, he's right here. But for Mary, this scene is physical and spiritual, holding on to Jesus physically and spiritually. For us, we don't have the privilege of holding on to Jesus' physical body here, do we? Embracing him physically, giving Jesus a hug, how much would we love to do that? But we should be holding on to Jesus, embracing him spiritually all the time, shouldn't we? Holding on to, clinging to Jesus because of what he means to us, because of what he's done for us. But why did Jesus say to her, don't cling to me? It's, it's not like the way we use that term today, obviously. She or he, they're, they're very clingy, you know, if you've used that term before. They're kind of a clingy person. They're needy. They're annoyingly clingy. <laughs> They're invading my space. <laughs> you know, a clingy person. But rather for Mary and for us, we want to, we should want to hold on to, cling to Jesus for all that he's done for us. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest, who has passed through the heavens, 
Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Hold fast or cling to our confession. Some translations even say professions in place of confession. So hold fast, cling to, hold on to our confession, our profession. Not our profession as what we do, but our profession of what he has done for us and that what we recognize. Confession of what? Profession of what? Our faith in Jesus Christ. Holding on to, clinging to, holding fast to our confession of faith in Jesus Christ. Remember how we just saw that in the Greek, we just talked about it, the common language of the day, Lord was Rabboni. Therefore, Mary's response here was very much the fulfillment of what we studied on Easter Sunday, what Paul would say in Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Mary confesses with her mouth, what? Rabboni, Lord, and believes at that moment God had raised him from the dead. She's clinging to him. He's alive. Mary is saved. By what we've studied on Easter Sunday, what Mary has just done has proved her salvation. She has confessed with her mouth Jesus is Lord, believed in her heart and every part of her being that he's been raised from the dead. He's here. She's clinging to him. She's holding fast to him. Mary's response was her confession. Knowing that he was now resurrected, she would continue to hold fast to him. She would cling to him as her confession of love for him. It, think about that. Is, is that not just a... Guys, we're not real free with using the word beautiful. <laughs> but isn't that a beautiful scene? That is just such a scene to behold. Mary recognizing her Lord alive for the first time. Clinging to him, holding to him because of the love that she has for him. And Jesus says, don't cling to me. <laughs> now, it wasn't in a derogatory sense, right? Hey, don't cling to me. Back off. That's not, that's not what he's saying there at all. He has a purpose for saying that. He, it's really Jesus saying lovingly to Mary, Mary, I need you to let go of me physically for now because I've got something for you to do. Don't be clinging to me right now. I'm going to be around for a while, actually, Mary. You're going to get to spend some more time with me. Don't ever stop clinging to me spiritually, Mary, but stop clinging to me physically right now because I want you to do something. What you have discovered needs communicated to others. Jesus said, For I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary, I know you want to hold on to me right now, physically. I'm not leaving just yet. Know that I haven't yet ascended to my Father to sit at his right hand. I'm going to be around for a little while, physically in this body. So go now and find my brethren, my disciples, the 11 boys, and communicate to them what you have seen and heard and tell them that I will be ascending to, what's he say here? My father and your father, my God and your God. The father that I have spoken of all this time, my father, 
He's now your father because of what I've done. My God, he's now your God because of what I've done. Tell the boys, I will be ascending to my father very soon. Now, it would have been selfish and disobedient for Mary to have continued to cling to Jesus and kept him to herself. Think of the depth of that of what I just said. <laughs> it would be selfish and disobedient for Mary, for Jim, for any one of us that know the Lord to continue to cling to Jesus and yet keep him to ourselves, right? Don't cling to me. I have something I want you to do. Cling to me in the spiritual sense, but I still have something I want you to do is communicate to whoever what I have done. Verse 18, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. So Mary went and shared with the disciples what she had seen and heard. Mark reports in his gospel account that they too were mourning and weeping and would not believe her. We face that too, haven't we, gang? Where we're trying to communicate to someone that we know, someone that we love, the truth of the gospel, and yet they won't believe. They won't believe the testimony. They won't believe that which we have experienced when we share it with them. That had to be frustrating for Mary. <coughs> Come on. This is real. This happened, guys. Believe. Now I have to think that John, when he heard it, he believed. The rest of the guys, not so much. But Mary, in her obedience, not only reported to them the fact of his resurrection, he's alive. I touched him. I held on to him. I was clinging to him. He is alive. He was resurrected. Not just the fact of the resurrection, but also she reported the word that he spoke to her. The word of God. Communicating what he had said to them. She couldn't transfer her experience effectively to them, but she could share the word that he gave to her, couldn't she? We're in the same place, gang. Sometimes it's very difficult for us to put into words what it is that Jesus has done for us, right? It is our testimony. It's something that we share with the Lord, the work that he's done in our lives. Yes, we share that. They don't always get the connection, do they? They don't always know of that experience or understand it because it's hard to explain in some ways. You think about when you're sharing with someone else and you just say, well, Jesus totally changed my life. If they're inquisitive, they're going to know in what way. So that which we share of our own personal experience, of our own testimony, may have some level of impact upon them but what is it that we know that doesn't return void? The word of God. That which God has said to us and asked us to communicate to someone else, the word of God does not return void. Mary's experiencing that right now. She's trying to share of her experience what went on, but he also had a word for her to share, didn't he? Go and say this. And she did that. It's the word 
the word of God that generates faith, isn't it? Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. Gang, that's what God's still challenging us with to this day. Jesus wants us to share with others that, yes, he is alive. But share it in such a way that it comes from the word of God. If you're sharing your testimony, make sure that all through it, all through your testimony is weaved the word of God through that. How the word of God has transformed your life. What he says, what he has done, how that's made the difference in your life. Just like Mary did here. Amen.